So, our speaker today, Reverend Dr. John Henson, is the founding pastor for Church for the Highlands, a church that began in 2010. Prior to serving at Church for the Highlands, John started two other churches in Texas. He served as associate pastor of Park Cities Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and at First Baptist Church here in Shreveport. He has been pastor of Whitehall Baptist Church in Gatesville, Texas, Oak Hills Community Church in Floresville, Texas, First Baptist Church Brownwood, Texas, and Highland Community Church in Trophy Club, Texas. In addition to serving as pastor of uh, Church for the Highlands, John serves as chaplain of Volunteers of America of North Louisiana and has served on various boards and committees in Shreveport, Junior League Community Advisory Board, Cherish the Children of God Board of Volunteers of America, Interfaith Coordinating Council of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Louisiana, World Religion Board, Bank on Shreveport Steering Committee, Highland Center Ministries Board, and Church for the Highlands Board of Elders. John received his Bachelor of Arts degree from Stephen F. Austin State University, a Master of Divinity in Biblical Languages from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, and his Doctor of Ministry in Community Development at McAfee School of Theology of Mercer University in Atlanta, Georgia. John and his wife, Jenny, have been married since 1995, since then having two children, Maggie Lee and Jack. After Maggie Lee's death at age 12, they continue to celebrate her life through Maggie Lee for Good, a movement of doing good for others on and beyond October 29th each year. And in a book they co-author about the movement, Maggie Lee for Good. He has consistently been an ally to our congregation as well as Northern and Central Louisiana Interfaith. John is without fail a voice and force for greater religious understanding, tolerance, inclusion, and cooperation. He usually has a couple of good one-liners or jokes along the way, and we're delighted to have him here today with us. If you would please help me welcome John Henson. Well, good morning and greetings. And I bring you greetings from Church for the Highlands. We met earlier this morning so that uh, we could get our float loaded up and every year we say we're not going to do another parade and then we end up doing uh, another parade and this year it's a little colder than most but i told them at least it's not raining uh, yet who knows but uh, i do bring the greetings from them and just to let you know that we consider you uh, sister church partners in what it is that uh, that we get to do here in this community and we serve side by side with so many of you, uh, even on a weekly basis. And so it is, uh, it's a blessing, it's an honor uh, to be here and uh, to be with you today. Well, 
Barbara, uh, when she told me how much time I had, I just laughed and said, yes, but do you know that I am a Baptist pastor? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I said, I'll do my best. And, but the other part about being a Baptist pastor is I know that people get hungry about noon. So I'm going to go fast, and I, I had to cut out all my good one-liners, but I, I may be able to work a few in. But the topic today is about Baptists and how Baptists reconcile working with other faith groups, other religious organizations, uh, or other organizations that have nothing at all to do with religion. Uh, how do we do that? And how do I do that as a Baptist? And I feel pretty confident in being able to speak for Baptists, uh, as difficult as that is, because there are so many different kinds of us around. Uh, and some of you may say, well, there aren't any good ones around. But there are. There are a few around. And so I want to comment on that from, from my perspective, having grown up in a Baptist church, and as I noted in the title, in East Texas, which makes it an even different kind of Baptist because uh, East Texas is, is full of uh, some very unique Baptists. And I'll, I'll speak from that perspective as well. My favorite commercial from this year's Super Bowl was one from Toyota. It was the one with a priest driving a pickup. It was a Toyota Tundra, of course, uh, driving to pick up a rabbi, a imam, and then a Buddhist monk on the way to the football game. How many of you saw that? I mean, I, I would think, uh, as uh, All Souls Unitarian Universalists, you would have deep appreciation for this commercial. You may not like Toyota at all, but once they arrive, they take their seats next to a row of nuns who chastise them for being late. And having been to a Catholic high school, I can appreciate that. Uh, the whole knuckle thing really is real, uh, getting hit. By, uh, by a ruler, but the name of the commercial is One Team. Isn't that a great commercial? Isn't it a beautiful picture of how our religions can work together? It was just inspiring to go from uh, all the other materialistic kinds of commercials to one that is still selling something, but it is helping us to see maybe uh, a broader way for life in this world, in this world that is so scary at times. Even if our clergy are getting together just to carpool to a Super Bowl event, it would be a positive step in the right direction for interfaith relations in a world that seems to know uh, only religious sectarianism and strife. So maybe carpooling isn't such a bad idea. What I have experienced in my faith, especially in cities like Shreveport, is that interfaith carpooling is not only an enriching experience for those who are actually together, but it is a blessing to the community. I have learned this to be so from growing up Baptist, again in East Texas to be specific, and having served in ministry as an ordained minister ordained Baptist minister for some 25 years. As I look at what I have learned about my faith and my people, it is how important, if not vital, it is for us to work with other faith groups in doing God's work in the world. Such cooperation has happened because of how we Baptists have been committed to freedom 
how we have a history of cooperation and because we have a commitment to social justice. I could go on and list other reasons, but for the sake of our time here, uh, those are just a few. Baptist commitment to freedom is really the story of our history. Buddy Sheridan referred to the freedoms that Baptists have cherished and championed as the four fragile freedoms. He recognized their fragility throughout history and how they remained as such even in a free country like ours, one with a, a foundation of a strict separation of church and state. Sheridan elaborates on these four freedoms in his book, The Baptist Identity, and he explores their importance, especially in recent history with a changing mood of baptification. Now, that's uh, one of those great Scrabble words, I suppose, uh, that really doesn't have a lot of deep meaning to it, but it's a term that Martin Marty, the great church historian, used back in 1983. And Sheridan collects his thoughts here, and he says, uh, this describes a new religious mood uh, that was afoot in America. Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalians, and others uh, were a part of this, said the noted church historian. They were embracing this new mood. This mood, he said, stresses freedom, choice, and volunteerism in matters of faith. Correctly and significantly, Marty identified these very themes as hallmarks of the Baptist identity and focal points of the Baptist vision. These themes describe the spiritual instinct of historic Baptist life, the stack pole around which Baptist convictions develop. And he says Baptistification, which I've never heard growing up as Baptist, but it, it sounds pretty good. It does not specify a particular Baptist doctrine. It does not speak to a unique Baptist distinctive. Rather, it describes the Baptist style of faith. It is a particular posture of faith, a peculiar attitude toward the issues of faith. Baptistification is a spirit that pervades all of the Baptist principles or so-called Baptist distinctives. It is the spirit of freedom. So in the interest of time this morning, I, I'm listing the four fragile freedoms without much elaboration, but with the hopes of giving some idea of their meaning and their importance, especially to me. What follows is a summary of them that we use in our membership class at Church for the Highlands. Number one, soul freedom. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. We affirm the freedom and responsibility of every person to relate directly to God without the imposition of creed or the control of clergy or government. Number two, Bible freedom. We believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe the Bible under the Lordship of Christ is central to the life of the individual and the church. We affirm the freedom and right of every Christian to interpret and apply Scripture under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Three, church freedom. We believe in the autonomy of every local church. We believe Baptist churches are free under the Lordship of Christ to determine their membership and their leadership, to order their worship and work, to ordain whomever they perceive as gifted for ministry, and to participate as they deem appropriate in the larger body of Christ. And finally, number four, religious freedom. Freedom. 
We believe in freedom of religion, freedom for religion, and freedom from religion. That usually gets an amen in a Baptist church. <laughs> well, some Baptist churches. We support the separation of church and state. <laughs> These are important, and they are important uh, to how we live our faith out in our world. Soul freedom, the first one, and religious freedom, the fourth, in particular, must be understood as freedoms for all people and groups, not just for those within a particular denomination or religion. John Helwes, regarded as the very first Baptist, bless his soul, he was willing to die for his freedom, even to the point of speaking up for it, speaking truth to the power of King James. Bruce Gorley writes that the king threw him in Newgate Prison in 1612, and that Helwes' crime, arising from his faith in Christ and the biblical New Testament, was his insistence that the king grant liberty of conscience, not merely to him, but to everyone in the kingdom. The co-founder of the Baptist faith, in short, was imprisoned for advocating for equal freedom of conscience for all people, including persons of other faiths and no faith at all. George W. Truett, former pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, was also a champion for religious liberty for all, and especially during the times that he lived. He said, Baptists make this contention not only for themselves, but as well for all others. For Protestants of all denominations, for Romanists, for Jews, for Quakers, for Turks, which uh, at that point would, would mean Muslims, for pagans, for all people everywhere. It's a radical statement you will not hear coming from First Baptist Church Dallas these days. Buddy Sheridan states that if Baptists experience a rebirth of commitment to Bible freedom, soul freedom, church freedom, and religious freedom, they would not only rediscover their roots and their identity, they would become prophetically relevant to the world today. Sheridan is right. And what a great need there is today for prophetic relevance in a world blessed with religious pluralism and yet cursed by the evils of fundamentalism. Baptists not only value freedom, they have a history of cooperation. Nothing against priests, but that could have been a Baptist driving the car in the commercial. Especially since Baptists have a history of cooperating with people from other denominations and religions. And this comes out of a recognition that the kingdom of God as described by Jesus, is one that transcends religious lines of difference. I know what you're thinking, that this sounds like an intro to a joke, and that what you know about Baptist is quite the opposite when it comes to cooperation. But that has not always been the case. Unfortunately, Baptist fundamentalists, like those within the Southern Baptist Convention, have done significant damage to a, a, a Baptist witness in the world as people who follow Jesus and as those who partner with others in the common good for all. Baptist history is full of examples of such ecumenical and interfaith cooperation. An obvious one is the work of Baptist pastor Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. 
as a leader of a diverse collection of religious leaders and groups for civil rights and justice. We often forget to say a Baptist pastor. One recent and local example of Baptists collaborating with other religious groups is Interfaith of North and Central Louisiana and the work that uh, we have done on anti-discrimination laws, limits on payday lending, and housing issues here in Shreveport. I haven't counted lately, but I think it's safe to say that the largest group represented, at least in our interfaith group here in this region, is Baptists. Now, it's not Southern Baptists. I don't think we have even one Southern Baptist, but typically uh, missionary Baptist or predominantly black Baptist congregations. Another example is how Church for the Highlands is in partnership with other congregations like you uh, as All Souls Unitarian Universalist. And we work together to do things here in, in this neighborhood or in this city, such as feed the hungry, clothe the naked or almost naked, and by providing an alternative to payday loans in our city with the hand up loan program. And thanks so much to John Ratcliffe. Uh, he represents you on that particular committee that deals with economic justice. A third way that we Baptists have reconciled working with people from other religions and groups is because of our commitment to social justice. Baptists like Roger Williams, Walter Rauschenbusch, Martin Luther King Jr., Clarence Jordan, Will Campbell, Jesse Jackson, Bill Moyers and Jimmy Carter are just a few Baptists who have lived out a commitment to social justice by joining hands with people who may differ on many things, but who share the same conviction for justice for all. As I thought about others and other areas, uh, one area in particular uh, is with justice that relates to LGBTQ uh, community here in our uh, Shreveport, Bossier area. I tried to think of one person, one Baptist in particular, who has really made a big difference uh, in, in those uh, particular areas, and I, I have yet to come up with one. We need more Baptists to do it, but one in particular I have thought of is sitting right back here, uh, Francis Kelly. Um, She continues to make a radical difference in the lives of the LGBTQ community and uh, continues to speak up and to, to be a blessing for them. But Baptists have all taken seriously the words of Scripture like Micah 6.8, or at least the ones I've mentioned, a call to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Acting justly requires playing well with others. As we see an experience in the time uh, uh, that we are in of ongoing threats to justice and the dismantling of justice work that's already been accomplished in the past, being an advocate for justice is overwhelming and impossible for one person, much less one group. We need each other. And God has made us this way and our existence depends, our literal existence depends on whether or not we can work together. If we can become one team, carpooling in the world together. And who knows, maybe the nuns won't mind if we're late.